Welcome to this, the ARC360 podcast brought to you in association with corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, Aztec, the Green Parts Specialists in DASA, Presco UK and the Innovation Group. And of course, don't be shy, check these people out. They're all great individuals and some really great products and service and an offer. So just drop them a line or ping me a note if you want any contact details. So in this episode, we catch up with Paul Lavalli, Account Director, Online Vehicle Remarketing Experts, Copart UK. Paula offers up an insight into how it all began for her in the industry 30 years ago when she made the arguably not so logical step from window dressing to salvage market. Since then, she's not looked back and Paula explains how both her and her career journey and the industry has gone from strength to strength. Paula reveals how she and her team have evolved during the past 12 months and how the business at large has not stood still, moving at pace with a variety of new initiatives all designed to satisfy the needs of an evolving marketplace. And as if that wasn't enough, Paula offers some wise words of advice, including what a Mohican hairstyle taught her, how to save too many trips to the bar at future social events, and also reveals her love of panda bears. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, so welcome along, everybody. Thanks very much for joining us on the ARC360 podcast. And I'm here today with Paula Varley of Copart. How's it going, Paula? It's going very well. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for inviting me. Absolute pleasure. And thanks for joining us. Well, we speak in the midst of a, of a cold snap. Have you had much, uh, much snow where you are? We've had a little bit sort of, um, down in the south, so scattering. Um, it all seems to have disappeared now. Yeah, spring is in the let's, air. Let's get into spring and then into summer. Oh, absolutely. Can't, couldn't we do without? That's for sure. So anyway, thanks very much for joining us. As with, with all these podcasts, it's great to get a little bit of an insight into yourself first and foremost. So I'm sure your name is familiar with, with many who will be tuning in. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, your career path to date and what your current role at, at Copart involves. Yeah, sure. Thank you. So for those that know me, there's not a huge amount to tell, but I, I about, about me personally, I love shoes, handbags and holidays. All, all, all the wonderful things under the current climate, obviously, that I'm not spending much money on any of those items at the moment. So I'm saving myself a small fortune. So that's good. <laughs> in terms of my career, I've been in the industry almost 30 years now. So quite some time. I've had a few jobs before that prior to entering the world of salvage. Just to sort of touch on my first job, which I remember very fondly. I started as a window dresser on a YTS scheme in Debenham. So um, learned a lot back then. bit about myself. So I, I, I made some very bad fashion choices back in the day. So uh, <laughs> one day I decided to, um, I thought it would be a really good idea to uh, have a Mohican. So I shaved both the sides, sides of my head. Um, had a delightful look in my Mohegan, which my mum was obviously horrified by. But I'd gone back into work the next day and was very quickly escorted to the HR department where um, they took delight in telling me that I had to tone my hair down. The rebellious um, side of you there, Paul. Exactly. I think there is still a little bit today, but no, I've, I've definitely mellowed over the years. One of the things I took from that back in the day was, you know, you, you never judge a book by its cover. So no matter what your hair is like, your clothes like, you know, there's always a person beneath that. That was my first first job which I really enjoyed and then back to my career today in salvage so yeah it's been a fantastic journey I've got uh, an operational background started off in the customer support centre then I was promoted to the customer support centre manager which I really enjoyed so overseeing a team of 25 
teammates at the time. And then I moved into business implementation, which was kind of a natural role because obviously I've got the operational background and I was responsible for onboarding new customers, managing any changes sort of in, in existing processes, that kind of thing, which then led me nicely into the account management side of things and now into my current role as account director. So I'm really lucky. I'm not just saying I do actually love what I do. So, and, and I always have done. Um, company's approach has always been about continuous improvement. And, you know, over the years, some people sort of say, oh God, 30 years, that's a long time. But actually it's never been the same business for, for very long. It's always changing, always evolving. You know, it's like anything, people come and go. So yeah, it's, it's been very enjoyable. It sounds like a very exciting journey that you've had along the way and obviously seen it from from many different angles. But but tell me a little bit. I mean, I've got to ask, how do you go from window dressing to, to the salvage industry? <laughs> yeah, it's quite a, quite a bit of a difference. I did leave school. I really had no idea what I wanted to do. No idea. I was one of these people. You know, I, I really admire people where they kind of, you know, you have conversations. Where they knew from day one what they wanted to do. I had no idea. I, I gave window dressing a go. I really enjoyed that. I then moved into some office roles. And I think what I found there was I was quite good at organising, quite good at sort of getting things done. Sort of, I've got a pretty much can-do attitude. So that served me well. And then um, I had a number of, like I said, office-related roles. And I went for the interview. I saw it advertised for what was back then was Universal Salvage. So I saw uh, advertised for a role in the call centre, which they were just developing or just creating at the time. And I went for it. And it was one of those situations where I kind of wasn't quite sure, but actually it was probably the best best decision that I made so here I am today so yeah hindsight's a wonderful thing yeah and uh, you know you, you 30 years in the industry you you obviously entered it and I'm, I'm sure we'll get to touch upon this but probably the salvage uh, industry was a very different place to be back then but you know and undoubtedly lots has changed so what are some of the kind of major milestones for you that's that stick in your mind kind of along your your career journey if you like oh yeah interesting there, there there's been a few I guess one that stands out for me is when I first started compared to today, the world of governance and compliance, they're poles apart. They really are. When I first started, there were things called contracts, but they were literally probably only on one or two pages outlining sort of the pricing and probably the service levels. Today's world is very different. The compliance and regulations, all of which have helped obviously shape the industry for the good and where it is today so it is it is fantastic but yeah that's a very very big difference in terms of where we were and where we are today so uh, that's one and I think the other one probably maybe that sticks out which in my mind is the revised ABI code of practice so that was another one it caused quite a lot of debate in the industry and there was lots of work that was put into a review by those that were involved and it's resulted in more controls and measures that, uh, again, ensures that the right decisions are being made. So, um, yeah, there's plenty, but they were, they're just two that probably stick in my mind. Real major milestones, I'm sure, for the industry as a whole. And, and that takes on board the whole supply chain as well. So uh, two key points there. And, you know, it's great that you've kind of been immersed in that journey and, and been part of that, that change all the way. So I think it's always fascinating when you're not fully immersed in an industry to hear how a sector functions from an expert insider so you know looking from the outside in everyone's got their opinions on on different sectors different industries 
what they think of them. So, so please give us a bit of an insight into the remarketing stroke salvage market as it stands today. You've already mentioned how sort of regulated and governed it is yeah. now. So just a bit more detail on there, really. Yeah, sure. I think the first thing probably to say is that our customers have very high expectations of service and quite rightly so, as do we as a business. For us, it's not just about collecting, storing and disposing of a car. There's so much more to it. Customers don't want a one-size-fits-all. They have their own specific needs, their own requirements, and it's, it's important for us to work to that. We're driven by focusing on how we can create and add value um, throughout the whole of that total loss process for our customers. We're seeing more and more vehicles being total lost. Customers are making more informed decisions around you know, things like cost of repair, uh, higher charges, parts delays, all that sort of thing versus the actual strong returns that they get for their salvage. So we're seeing a lot more dynamic decision-making um, happening in the marketplace. And for us, we have to be one step ahead with the changes in the marketplace, whether that be the handling of different types of vehicles, you know, for example, electric, through to ensuring that we have the latest technology in place, and always reinvesting, that's key. So reinvesting in services and infrastructure it's important that this industry keeps reinvesting to make sure we can continually improve in what we do. We're also seeing more and more customers outsourcing services to us within this industry. So that supports them in quicker cycle times and reduced, obviously, claims costs. And again, the other one that I mentioned earlier, so the compliance and governance is critical. So we understand that our customers work in, so from an insurance perspective, work in a highly regulated industry. And obviously, brand protection is, is critical. So for us as suppliers um, in the industry, um, we need to ensure that our compliance assists them in their compliance. So, you know, things like treating customers fairly, vulnerable customers, data protection, all that, all that sort of thing. So there's a lot going on in the marketplace and um, it keeps it keeps us busy. That's an understatement. Yeah, so many boxes to tick, so many bases to cover off. And, uh, you know, you mentioned... Your technology as well. I, I don't think there's a week gone by this year that I haven't seen a new introduction, a launch or a, or yeah. something from Copart, uh, whether that be sites or whether that be the technology that go out. I mentioned today in some of our news. So, uh, so yeah, fascinating stuff. And it's moving at a rate of knots. So uh, yeah. it's exciting times. So okay, I suppose if you like present moment and dialing it back a little bit, what impact has the pandemic had on the sector as a whole? And what have been the sort of generic key themes to stem from the pandemic? What have we noticed? It's changed. Well, everyone's had to move quickly and adapt. So, you know, that's been really key. I mean, that's true of many industries, obviously. I think from Copart's perspective, you know, as a essential service provider, we've continued to provide our services throughout the pandemic. And, it's, and that's through, whether that be through contactless services, whether that be through, you know, new, new initiatives. It enables us to collect and remarket our customers' vehicles. And again, the other key area is just ensuring that we maintain a safe environment for our people and our, and our customers. So we have to balance that. And, and that's true of everybody in the industry. So, you know, there's they're some sort of some key themes that run through since we've been operating during the pandemic. Volume in total loss has, has reduced for obvious reasons. We've also seen very buoyant um, market in terms of sale returns. Um, they've been an, at an all time high. Our part that we, we play in that from our own perspective uh, within Copart, it, it's ensuring that we drive those returns. So there's a whole load of work that goes on in the background 
um, just to make sure that, you know, we're expanding our buyer base. We're selling the vehicles in the best possible light, you know, marketing those vehicles. So all of that combined with the market economics, the market is very buoyant in terms of sale returns. So long may that continue. And what's it meant for for yourself, account director? I hope that's the correct title I've yeah. used there, Paula. From a personal perspective, you know, were you typically before this out and about on the road quite a lot? Just for how sure. have you adapted personally? Yeah, for sure. No, um, we spent, me and my team spent a considerable amount of time um, out and about and on the road. We do miss actually physically meeting people seeing people we've got some fantastic relationships with with our customers our, our partners zoom teams it's a great technology allows us still to have that interaction but it's just not the same i refer to me and my team we call, we're social butterflies we like to be out we like to be talking to people you get to know people a lot better although having said that on teams and zoom We've got to know our customers probably a bit better anyway, because, you know, you get to meet the family, you get to meet the pets, all that good stuff. So, yeah, it's it's interesting time. So definitely we can't wait for the day when we're back out, we're able to get back out again and um, be with our customers and uh, have those interactions like we did before. I think, I think you're completely right there and uh, I'm, I'm sure everyone would agree with you. And do you think it will change, you know, do you think it will change the way you operate yourself personally or your team? You know, will, will there be a kind of, you know, it won't be 100% out and about physical anymore once yeah. you know everything gets back to normal? It will be more of a sort of hybrid type approach? Yeah, I think um, it will be a hybrid type of approach. I think we're talking to our customers and I think they they sort of have the same view. It's I think people have realised that, you know, you can save yourself two or three or maybe even four hours sitting on the motorway. So you can have those meetings and the catch ups via team and Zooms. But like I said, we will still we'll combine that with um, physical going to see customers again from hospitality side, just meeting up with people and that sort of thing. So when we're able to do so, and obviously when it's safe to do so, um, we will have, I think it will be a a hybrid of the two. Definitely. Fingers crossed and let's hope that day comes soon. It it, it is going to be really interesting to see that human behaviour element. You know, will everyone go kind of mad for a month or so and then think, goodness me, how good was, uh, you know, the the, uh, sort of online meetings we used to have or or will it just be a gradual reintroduction? I have said to a few of my customers, it's going to be one hell of a party when we're all able to get out and about again. So, uh, yeah, brace yourselves. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's for sure let's make sure we're all there so tell us a little bit more about copart huge operation obviously globally most people will know you kind of from from the salvage side you know what, what you do in the uk but again you know what else is happening in the uk uh, i keep seeing kind of the, the remarketing stuff and you've already touched upon that it yeah. just seems to be sort of snowballing all the time really yeah i mean we're in a really fortunate position i think you know from a business perspective you know our strategy is about reinvesting in what we do so our approach is very much around continual improvement so you know we challenge ourselves every day and Jane who obviously Pocock who's our MD she's very passionate about you know how can we be better tomorrow compared to how we were yesterday so it's it's all about you know sort of I think for us it's kind of lifting the drains up making sure that we're doing everything that we can so you know, we're proud to work with the majority of the UK motor insurers. We also work with, again, the accident management companies, lease and fleet companies prior to the pandemic. But again, volumes volumes have dropped, but generally handle around 450,000 cars a year. 
for our customers, you know, our operational capability and capacity. You know, we have 17 owned operation centres um, with over 500 acres of land. So that for us, our strategy there is very much around we own what we do. So we have full control over our service delivery. And that's really important to us because, again, you know, we can be flexible, we can be dynamic, you know, things like, you know, you've seen the weather in terms of, you know, the snowstorms, we've got more localised flooding, flooding um, more than ever. So again, we have to be agile and we, able, we have to be able to control that service, whether we switch it on in different areas, move postcodes, catastrophe teams that we have in place. Again, that all supports in making sure that we're delivering that service to our customers. So, yeah, it's important for us to um, keep reinvesting in the business and, and challenging ourselves on a daily basis. Now, I love that idea of challenging yourselves and um, having had Jane joined us on a webinar last year and uh, mm-hmm. She was challenging us to do the co-part C to the camera, which I think she brought to one of your team meetings. And goodness me, that was a challenge in itself. But you can see, you know, that that sort of emanates from the business, I think, uh, at the moment in terms of week in, week out, something different's happening, something new is happening. And it's all moving, you know, in a in a sort of, you know, uh, one direction, which is which is great to see. So focusing a little bit on operations. So, you know, what is your you've mentioned insurers and you've mentioned uh, accident management companies and and Mm -hmm. fleets in there. So can you just give us a little bit more kind? of detail about your relationships with industry stakeholders you know who who effectively you know who do you partner with who do you work with and, and what propositions I suppose do you, do you offer each so in in terms of um, the world of insurance so like I said we work with the majority of the UK insurers our propositions there like I said, it's it's not a one-size-fits-all like I mentioned but it's very much around so if we look at it high level obviously we collect a car we store it we dispose of it but our main focus is around all the, all the it's quite complex underneath that in terms of you know how can we extract value from every step of that process so obviously the account management side is very dear to my heart because that's my team and our job is to make sure that you know we again are challenging at every step of that process to kind of understand is there opportunity for creating additional value is there opportunity to reduce leakage whether that be through the volume of calls that come in whether that we you know can we switch that to online um it could be through to the number of keys that we receive for the cars again it's just it's about looking at every step of that process to make sure that we are going back to our customers giving them insight giving them data that's meaningful to help them make more informed decisions and help them improve in terms of processes and again they then benefit from um, tangible value. That's a big thing for us, working working with all our customers. We do a lot of collaborative work with them. As I said, it's about identifying those opportunities with them. I suppose that's the you know the piece from where where you see things is is that jigsaw, isn't it? Right. So how yeah. can we you know piece this bit together to fulfil that that relationship? And going off a little bit of a, a tangent, your relationship with with repairers because there'll be repairers yeah. obviously listening into this. Can you explain that a little bit more for, for us? Yeah. So um, we also have relationships with um, body shops and repairers and um, we're obviously from a collection point of view in and out of those locations and their premises every day collecting vehicles so it's important for us that we're providing the service that's expected in this area as well so body shops repairers don't want total loss claims vehicles sitting around on their premises so it's important for us to make sure that we're in and out there 
as quickly as and, and as efficiently as possible. So um, if there are any body shops or any repairers out there and that's not happening, then you need to let me know because, again, that's a focus for us, ensuring that we're collecting those cars as quickly as possible. We're in and out. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's an effective and efficient process. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a, historically it's been a bugbear of the industry to have uh, vehicles sat in the yard just gathering dust. So uh, I'm sure they'll all be uh, appreciative of that that offer, that's for sure. <laughs> so we have recurring themes and uh, actively promoted in light of the pandemic. But, you know, people, relationships and technology, they, they certainly seem 2020. They were all yeah. those three were really highlighted and brought to the fore. So how does each apply to the co-part business and and how do you optimise the value of each? Now, that, that's a huge question, but, but you yeah. know, how do you piece it together kind of thing yeah. from your perspective? All those things we see as being very important, obviously. But um, again, our view is very much one doesn't obviously work to its full potential without the other. So pulling those three things together. So looking at our people, you know, we see that they drive our success. How do we maximise that? Well, we take time to recognise our talent, our people, their expertise. So that might be from apprenticeships through from apprenticeship schemes that we that we demonstrate, personal development programmes that we have in place, through to things like we have superstar awards. So that's recognising um, teammates that go above and beyond. So our culture is very much about, you know, we drive a very much um, can-do culture. So it is, you know, nothing's too much trouble there's always a way and if there is a way we'll find that way for those that know me I am a people person I think my the people that we have in our business amaze me every day you know I hear stories of them going above and beyond for their teammates and for our customers and um, I think I have put a few posts on social media on the, on the LinkedIn page where I am genuinely proud of what our people do I, I'm quite passionate about that I think relationships obviously are critical so so important even more so obviously right now having the right relationship where you can have open discussions agree goals and objectives you do that together that means you, you drive the best outcome for everybody for our customer their customers and us as a business so and again that's something that's quite close to my heart because we do a lot of that for our active account management as well so um that is pretty crucial for us. And then technology, obviously, that is also very important. And the key there, obviously, is to keep innovating. For us, like you mentioned earlier, you know, we don't stop. So if I look back over the last 12 months of what we've delivered, I would say that's that's quite impressive. Looking forward, we have regular reviews um, with the US. There's a team of, um, I think it's around about now 450 IT support members there and we've got probably on the go at any one time probably over about 60 60 65 projects that we're all looking again it's just about that continual improvement whether that be our auction technology whether that be anything relating to our apps you know we've got claims help the, the list I, there's so many I can't remember but the list does go on so yeah um, all those three things really important and what's really fascinating for me is the fact how those those three really form kind of the points of the triangle. I one without the other, yes, it just simply doesn't work. And it, and it exactly. always, it always seems to stem back to you know right at the very heart of it. 
or at the bottom of the pyramid, however you want to shape it, yeah. is the people factor. And clearly you guys have got a, a great culture there where it is centred around your people. And then from that stems great relationships, great technology. Now, I'd love to be a fly on a wall in one of your can-do <laughs> meetings because I'm, I'm imagining something a bit Google-esque. I don't know. Is, is that where I'm coming from? Do you have a big whiteboard and just scribble ideas? No, no, no is a whiteboard but no idea I think what's that saying no idea is a silly idea and I think the the environment that we're in and the culture that we have people are, are very comfortable in um, sharing their ideas and their thoughts so we welcome any suggestions any ideas from teammates and uh, yeah we have we re have regular reviews as an SMT group and like I said we will review anything or look at anything so <laughs> And I think it's so important. And um, in a discussion the other day, somebody mentioned how those kind of informal discussions with people being away from offices have, have kind of been lost a little bit, you know, when you're chatting around the coffee machine or whatever. So it's so important to see how you can keep those going, because they're the ones where really, you know, without a, an agenda, so to speak, that's kind of where the magic happens sometimes, where people come off a you know completely left field idea and all of a sudden it, it sparks that idea and, and that chain then follows. So absolutely. So how do you, I mean, you guys have obviously got great ideas in terms of how the market will reshape and transform and, and you know, you're arguably leading the charge there, but how do you envisage the remarketing salvage sector sort of continuing to evolve in the future? What can you tell us in terms of where do we think it's going? For me personally, it's about ensuring that we continue to improve on our service offering. I know that probably sounds like an obvious statement, but it's a true one and delivering more innovation. So you know, how can we make our customers' experience better? How can we make our buyer experience better? You have to keep asking yourself those questions as a business just to make sure, you know, that will keep you evolving and keep you delivering those changes. And again, I go back to our people. So we also have to make sure that there's a focus on our people and the skills needed in the industry. So success management is key, making sure we have the right people and the right skills that are fit for the future. You know, so we've sort of a while back, you're looking at engineering and there was a lot of conversations in the industry about you know you haven't got the resource or skill sets there anymore and it's about bringing those the younger generation into that into that arena and making sure that you you, you don't have a skill shortage so I think there's there's a lot to be done and focused on to make sure that we evolve in that direction. And it's a very familiar tale from the repairer yeah uh, sort of sector yeah. it's you know an aging demographic and it's yeah. uh it's something that we're you know the industry has certainly woken up to and it's really interesting how the sectors are if you like in their, their own entities but yet we're sort of faced with a sort of challenge that stems all of it and it's you know almost the entire automotive space so yeah interesting to see you know how how things evolve and how we ultimately kind of all get together and somehow overcome the challenge but yeah there's many thoughts on that so exciting times and obviously we're just off the off the back of uh, national apprenticeship week as well so yeah, yeah. and as you say you've got schemes in house so yes long may the good things continue looking back on your time in the industry is there anything that you would change or alter and, and if so why i don't mean that from a negative sense at all yeah. would you have done anything different over your over your kind of career yeah, that's an interesting one and an actually quite a difficult one. I don't actually think there is. For me, I've personally loved every moment. And again, people go, really? What well, I generally have. It, it, the people, the innovation and the passion, if that's there 
and you know again I, I, I use it a lot but it's about continually improving if that's there then you know it's I look back the industry's come a long way and all for the good so no I can't I really can't think of anything I might do later on but I can't think of anything right now that um that I would change you, you might have an answer after this. You might say not doing a podcast with Mark may have yeah, been a maybe, change. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But no, I, I think that's wonderful. I really do because, <laughs> I, you know, it's just, you've referenced it a few times, but it is that continuous improvement. So yeah. when you have that mindset, I think yeah. it doesn't matter if it's a good experience or, or what you may have classed at the time as a bad experience. Somehow you've taken something from it that's, yeah. you know, so even, you know, arguably when you were window dressing you know that that has given you a skill that you've taken with you along the way so it's really interesting oh that's great Paul that's really really good to hear actually so we move on to the quick fire question round and that's the bulk of the uh Ooh. the interview done if you like that's this kind of serious bit um we never get too serious I hasten to add so uh quick fire question round so what one thing might not many people know about you oh that I had a Mohican back in the day <laughs> Now I'm trying to I'm trying to sort of visualise this. I'm quite envious, obviously, for, for obvious reasons. I've, no I've, I've, burnt, I've, I've burnt all photographic evidence though. So if you do if you do try and get a photo, there won't be any. But um, <laughs> yes, it was hideous. And I'm sure my team, now that they know that, will probably live off that for, for a while now. So um I would yeah. imagine there'll be a lot of Googling your name and Mohican and or some clever souls doing Photoshop right now. So brace yourself for your next team meeting. I would, I would suggest. Thank you. What would your alter ego be doing as a career right now? Ah, now this is an easy one. So I love animals. My favourite is a, is a panda bear. So I would love to be a panda bear keeper. Have you seen those videos with the baby pandas and their keepers? Oh, so cute. I want that job. So yes, that's that's what I would be doing right now if it wasn't salvaged. Well, who knows? Never say never, Paula. <laughs> no, exactly that. Good, good, good answer. Uh, dear. So best bit of business advice you've ever heard, seen or received? It's a short and sweet one. So there are no limits. You know, I heard that and I thought, actually, you're right. So I guess, you know, I'm a glass half full kind of girl I, I take the view that there's always a way if you want it badly enough you might have to work harder at it sometimes it might be a difficult one you might fail from time to time but then you learn from that so yeah there are no limits the other piece of advice I have but it's not it's not business related is always have a double and um, when you go into the bar because it saves you going back twice so, well, one for free. <laughs> both of those are very valid points and, and great advice that I'm sure most of the industry probably know the second one anyway. But no, that's great. Here we go. This is the one that always divides a nation, and nobody kind of gives me a straight answer on this. So I'm, I'm relying on you for this one. So, self driving vehicles, are they for you? We'll say you personally, yes or no, and why? Ah, okay, right. Yes. And Purely from a selfish perspective. So going back to, you know, when we get back out on the road again, I kind of, I always say that, so I'm not a morning person. So pre-COVID where we're, there were occasions where you'd have to set off for a meeting. It could be five, 5.30 in the morning because, you know, it might take three hours, three and a half hours or whatever to get there. I think I quite like the idea of one day being able to have a little nap on the way to those meetings. Self-driving vehicles, for that reason, yes. I personally would agree with that. Absolutely. Do you, do you enjoy driving? Just, just out I do, of interest. Yeah, 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 I do. I do. I find it gives you a bit of thinking time as well. So I do, I do kind of miss that side of it as well. You know, you, you're in the car, you've got the music on. 
obviously concentrating on the road and driving but it does give you a bit of bit of thinking time as well so yeah I, I, and I do actually quite like driving absolutely agree and again that's one of the things I think a lot of people have said to me it's that it's that kind of unwinding time or yeah. you know, just lose yourself and be with your own thoughts for a, for a few hours sometimes so uh, great stuff well well there you go that was that was simple wasn't it Pain, painless experience I hope if people want to find out more about Copart want to speak to you guys have questions about salvage remarketing you're the person to come to please do yes yeah me or anyone on my team so yeah happy to have any any chat conversations if you need anything from us let us know when we're all good to go again we'll we'll see you at the bar for that double i think so uh, that's fair to say (laughs) yeah you keep me to it (laughs) all right paula great to uh great to speak to you thank you so much for your time and uh we'll catch up again soon thank you very much thank you And so there you have it, Copart UK's Paula Varley. What a character and what a great insight into her world and the wider world of Copart. Really sounds like they have a fantastic culture in place there and it really is a business going places. We wish Paula and all the team at Copart all the very best for the future and please do check these guys out by connecting with Paula or one of the team or alternatively, as I said before, just drop me a note and I'll put you in touch with, uh, with anyone at Copart or any one of our fine corporate partners and our partners. Of course, they are BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Medical, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response, and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, Aztec, the Green Parts Specialists in DASA, Presco UK, and the Innovation Group. Many thanks for joining us for this episode of the ARC360 podcast. Keep safe and take care, everybody. We'll see you again soon.